Welcome to Building Texas with Justin McKenzie and Summer Babarak, sponsored by the Bernie Kendall County Economic Development Corporation and Das Greenhouse. And now, here's your host, Justin McKenzie. Welcome to Building Texas. This week, we have an exciting guest with State Representative Ellen Troxclair from District 19 in Central Texas. District 19 covers five counties. So it's Blanco, Burnett, Gillespie, Kendall, and Travis. And that's about 202,000 Texans represented by Representative Troxclair. We're in an exciting time of the year, time of the season. You're coming out of four special sessions. Yes. So we're going to have a lot to talk about today. But Ellen, we're thrilled to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me. And I do have to say that we are lucky to have the most beautiful district in all of Texas. The Hill Country is the place to be. And it has a lot of people to represent. But man, I wake up every day excited to do it. Well, we agree. And we think the Hill Country has so much to offer and that people are really just discovering it. And and I feel bad saying that because we've been in a cycle of a lot of people coming to this part of Texas. Mm -hmm. And that introduces so many new realities. People don't understand volunteer fire, volunteer EMS, rural living, but then they really like having their 20, 30 acres, two acres, whatever it might be of peace in Texas. That's right. It comes with challenges. And I I think as a representative, I'll I'll be really interested to hear where you find your optimism. Mm. But let's start with how does someone like you decide you want to serve at this level? Well, uh, I I was mad about my property taxes. I was working, you know, a, a young woman, recently married, excited to start our new lives together. My husband and I were working two jobs each, working to make ends meet, pinching pennies to fire, buy our first home, which we finally did. Yay. And, you know, a year later, you get that property tax bill and the property taxes went up so much. We just kind of looked at each other and said, how are we going to afford this? And by the way, if we can't afford this, how in the world are the rest of our neighbors and friends affording this? And so really that was what, that was the issue that drove me to get into politics. And it's still surreal that I'm in the position that I am in, but it's been such a blessing because looking back on it, I've been able to be an advocate of, of again, just the, the regular homeowner. We've had three kids since then. We've had to expand our home. We've had you know a lot of expenses once, once you have those kids. And so not only have I been able to be a part of making sure that that governments stay within their means and they're not raising property taxes above what people can really afford and out of line with what our average inflation and pay raises are year over year. But now just this last legislative session, we I was part of passing the largest property tax cut in United States history, $18 billion all across Bernie, all across Texas. People are going to be looking at about a 40% cut in their school property taxes. And that's because we have a surplus because of economic development, right? We've got a surplus in our state budget and we're using that money to fund our schools instead of using property taxes. So when you look at what I'm doing to reduce Robin Hood, when you look at making sure that people can afford to stay in their homes, especially our seniors and that families all across the state are now going to be able to benefit, I, I truly feel like you know, I was put in this place for that, for that very reason. And I hope that that will be, this is not just a one year thing. This is a sustainable into the future thing. And it's just the beginning for me, 40% cut this year. uh, And I hope to get that even higher next year. So that's, that was my, that was the issue that really got me involved. Well, I want to come back to property taxes and how we fund and, and really how we look at the business of government. Yep. But 
while we're talking about your story, what has been the most interesting thing that you've learned coming into this seat? You know, the thing that is, I mentioned earlier that it still feels surreal, but I do every day wake up just in awe of the power of the difference that one person can make if you're willing to step outside your comfort zone. You know, I'm not a perfect public speaker. I'm not, I'm on the younger side of uh, my colleagues. There were a million reasons for me not, a million reasons for me not to run for office. You know, I didn't have the money. I didn't have the connections and I did it anyway because I felt passionate and I felt called to do it. And so I have tried to pass that on by, you know, I wrote a, a, a book that became an Amazon bestseller called Step Up, How to Advocate Like a Woman, because I recognize the need for more young women, especially conservatives like myself, to kind of get off the sidelines and, and get into the arena because we're the ones that are raising the families and the, and the leaders of the next generation. And so we need a seat at the table. And so I can't, I can't tell you how fulfilling the feedback has been from that advocacy. You know, people saying I, because of your book or because I heard you speak or whatever, I've, I ran for my local city council. I ran for my local school board, or I showed up for the first time at the Texas legislature and gave testimony to, to the committee. And so that's the kind of advocacy we need because otherwise our decision makers are just, you know, in a bubble listening to themselves talk. And when what we really need is feedback from real Texans. Well, I, I appreciate that sentiment because I often wonder what inspires someone to run for public office. And public office could be, I, I serve on the Board of Adjustments here in the city of Bernie. Thank you. That's for a doing volunteer that. role. And yep. really, it's an introductory role to how government works. But then you think about city council, county commissioners, county judges. There's not a lot of economic gain in those roles. No. It really is a servant heart. It is. And it comes with a lot of responsibility, a lot of feedback, a lot of new things, I'm sure. Yes. Um, in your day-to-day -day life where you continue to be a professional career yes. person. Yes, that's right. And you manage both of those things together. So I, I, I hope in the Building Texas mission, we want to drive curiosity. We want to show people how to get involved, yeah. where to get involved. Yeah. At the most local level, because you're right, the school board, the city council, that's where change is mm -hmm. made. And, and people just often don't know where to start. And so that's what's great about what you're doing here is that you're spreading that message of, you know, we're, the community needs you. And, and here's how you can do it. Here's a step-by-step of how to do it. And I hope that that, that message continues to be spread. I want to, I want to mention that people are often shocked to find out that in my role at the state level, which is obviously very different from DC and the, and the mess that we have up there, this is a part-time legislature. I, I write a check to the state every month because my $600 salary does not cover my health insurance. So this is a, a, a volunteer, a, a passion, a volunteer. you know, it's a passion and it has been a little bit of a sacrifice, of course, for my, for my family and for my business, you know, but we're all, we're all juggling a lot of things. Right. And this is one that I felt passionately that it needed to be in the mix. You know, I often have people say, Oh, you know, how do you do it? You're so busy. You got the kids and you got, you know, the business and everything else. It's like, well, there's no one else we're getting to, we're getting to a point in our generation where the people that we looked up to and our mentors are kind of hanging up their hats and retiring and kind of living their best lives. There's no one else to turn the reins over to, you know, you, there's a, I think commonly you think, well, somebody else will do that. You know, somebody else will take it. And you look, you get to a point where you look around and say, if I don't do this, then who will, 
And so we got we have to step up and step into the gap. You're listening to Building Texas on Bernie Radio 103.9. My name's Justin McKenzie, and I'm sitting here with Representative Ellen Troxclair and a great conversation about how you got into the role that you're in. And my last question to wrap that up is, what was the first step you took? Was it an online application? Was it going into an office saying, I want to run? What was that determining thing that said, I'm doing this? Really, I have to say that it was it was talking to my family and making sure. I mean, my husband looked at me and said, what are you talking about? You have never, ever. I mean, we've been invo- we've been interested in politics and policy. And of course, we're, you know, v- voters and all of those things. But he said, are you sure? You know, I'm going to support you 100 percent if you are. But are you sure? You know, this is a big undertaking. It's a lot. You know, remember how you hate public speaking? Are you, <laughs> you know, you have to do a lot of that. And so it, it's been a challenge. But I have come out the other side such a better person with his wholehearted support and the, you know, I have three young kids, a seven, five and four. And it's so fun having them on the campaign trail with me and at the Capitol with me because they're learning so much. They're getting real world hands-on experience. And so once, once we prayed about it and once uh, that we made the decision as a family to go forward with it, yep. You, you march right on down to the headquarters and you file the necessary paperwork and then it's off to the races. Well, as we come as we go into the break, I really want to plant the seed of just get involved. Yep. And we want people in their local community to get involved at where, where they're passionate. Yep. At the most local level. Do what you can with what you have, where you are. You know, if you're not in a position to start a new business or to run for office yourself, it's like, well, what candidates can I support? What businesses can I support? So I, I, you know, do what you can with what you have, where you are. You're a mom of young kids. That's right. You said four or five and seven. That's right. That brings an interesting layer to the work that you're doing. It really does. You know, I think we saw that during COVID and when a lot of kids were home from school, now not necessarily in Bernie, but in other places, moms in particular were astounded by what was being taught in those classrooms. And so we really saw a flood of moms of young kids really stepping up and getting involved. And in this last election cycle, we actually doubled the number of Republican women in the Texas House. And that's important because the spokesperson matters. You know, I am so grateful for so many men in my my life, you know, my, my husband, my dad, mentors who have supported me along the way. But the reality is, is when you get down there and you got to talk about some stuff, like sometimes it's good to have a, have a, have a female perspective. I often go back to the research that I did for my book, where I talked to women involved in politics from across the country. And I talked to a mom in West Virginia who said, you know, she's one of the few women in the West Virginia legislature in the Senate. And she said, I was the only one woman on the transportation committee when we were talking, uh, considering an increase in the gas tax. And I've got five kids, you know, two with special needs and I'm driving all, I drive a minivan. We are not from a wealthy family and it matters. Those cents matter to me. And even though it was all Republicans on the committee, she said, I was the only one who, who raised my hand and said, you know what, this really is going to affect my family. And I want to show you how. And so it's bringing that kind of diversity of perspective to the table that I think ultimately serves the community and the taxpayers very well. And so I am absolutely thrilled to be able to kind of bring that perspective to the Texas House, too. This is Justin McKenzie from Building Texas. Today's segment is brought to you by Das Greenhouse. Das Greenhouse is a business incubator launched here in Bernie to serve our local community. Das Greenhouse is a place where you can come to grow your idea. 
Our goal is to make learning accessible to people who are looking to grow a business, expand a business, or learn more about what's out there in their community and get involved. Visit us at dasgreenhouse.org or come visit us at 7 Upper Balconies Road, Bernie, Texas. Das Greenhouse. Welcome back to Building Texas. My name is Justin McKenzie, and today we're visiting with State Representative Ellen Troxclair, and we're talking about her journey to politics, but really want to dive into something you said earlier mm -hmm. about introducing people to the possible, right. whether that's starting a business or building a new career or just getting involved locally. Mm -hmm. We're sitting at Das Greenhouse right now, and we're thrilled that Das Greenhouse is a reality in Bernie mm -hmm. and for the Hill Country where we make it visible. We, we bring people together to say, what do you want to do? How do you want to do it? And here's some tools to doing that. And that's a big piece of our economic development mm -hmm. strategy. But as you think about your 202,000 Texans, you've got a diverse area. Some of that's very rural. Yep. Some of it's very dense. Uh, Travis suburban. County, suburban yep. Austin. So how do you find or, or what are you seeing around your district when it comes to economic development and the future we're creating for our kids? Uh, well, I think that the one thing that everybody shares uh, a concern for, or at least an appreciation for, is our ability to grow sustainably. You know, if you're not growing, then you're dying, and that comes with its own set of problems, right? We, nobody wants to be Detroit. But at the same time, but we have a very unique part of Texas, a part of our country to, to protect, and the growth is going to happen. And, and I actually think that the diversity in the district has, I can learn from, you know, you look at Lakeway, you look at Bee Cave and how Austin just kind of exploded out to those suburban areas that used to be more rural. And you see Bernie in the same way, you know, used to be more rural and now it's just getting there. There's not a whole lot of difference now between San Antonio and, and, and Bernie. And so the growth is going to happen Either way, the if you don't build it, they won't come. I think that's really the approach that Austin took. They kind of stopped investing in infrastructure. They stopped. And now there's terrible traffic and a, a lack of city planning. And so the growth is going to happen no matter what. What are we doing to make sure that we're managing that sustainably, that we're intentional about it? And most importantly, that we have the natural resources like water to, you know, to provide for that. And, and I don't think you know, we can't just say, hey, we made it here, we're going to close the door behind us because that's just not how, that's not how private property works and that's not how freedom works in Texas. But we do have a responsibility to instill in the people who are moving here to say, you're, you're moving here for a reason. You're moving here because you appreciate the rural lifestyle. You appreciate the open space and you appreciate our values. And so we invite you to respect all of that and protect it for future generations. Yeah, I, I'm in the growth, anti-growth conversation mm. quite often, and we're fortunate in our local community. We have a big conservation mindset with Civil Nature Center and other mm -hmm. organizations. The Hill Country Alliance, talking about water, mm -hmm. is a great example of just educating people around what water really is in Central Texas. And then let's find companies and attract solutions that don't need water. Yeah. And there's plenty of those in today's world, but I, I think we have to go from growth, anti-growth to are we investing in the future or are we deferring that that's, investment? That's such a good point because it's just, it's simply not that black and white. And yeah. when you put people 
into those two categories, you're never going to work collaboratively and come up with a with a plan to move forward. You know, this last legislative session, in addition to, you know, investing big time in border security and and protecting kids and respecting women and all the other things that cutting property taxes, all other things that I'm very proud to have been a part of. We also had a big session for water. There was a, a bill that is giving cities and counties a lot more tools and requiring that developers, when they come in, they have to prove that they have groundwater availability in the long term before their plat is approved. We also passed a constitutional amendment that the voters voted on and overwhelmingly approved one and a half billion dollars to invest in new water technology. So that's desalination and things like that to make sure that we're not only relying on our groundwater, but we're looking forward 50 years into the future. So we're making, I mean, the good news is this is becoming a front burner issue, and there were a lot of good things passed last legislative session that is that are going to give Bernie and Kendall County the tools that they need to plan accordingly. Well, and I have to applaud Bernie and Kendall County for being on the forefront of that water. They're, they have some national awards for Internet of Water, Water of Things programs out of Duke University. Mm-hmm. We're leading in that. Mm-hmm. My concern is I hope that we're marrying that with an economic development strategy that can fund it and continue to find new sources of funding. Because the property tax conversation I want to circle back to Mm -hmm. is that's the way county government works, Mm. state government. You're funded on property taxes. Mm -hmm. And then we put ag exemptions in and we put all this other stuff in to try and bring it down. But that's the pool of money. And you can build more houses, bring more property tax. Or you can bring more business in. Yeah. And I think this growth, anti-growth clouds that we could hold property taxes lower mm-hmm. if we can generate other sources of revenue. Yep. And a rural economic plan or a broader economic plan, I think, gives a region more strategic value than county by county by county. So my call is I, I just hope people are thinking about sustainable development economic development that well and well obviously your your property tax bill is made up of city county city taxes county taxes and then your school taxes which again we're really working to to buy down but the state revenue the state pot of money is mainly driven by sales tax oil and gas taxes and business taxes those are the reason that your property taxes are going to be lower this year by a big amount is because we have had successful economic development in Texas. And yes, it comes with its pros and cons and you have to manage that wisely. But the reason for the Texas economic miracle, the reason that people are moving, you know, flooding to Texas from other, from other States and spending their money here and investing here, that is what is allowing us to put less of a financial burden on homeowners and business owners. And so you're out, you're absolutely right. And another thing that I know you're passionate about, but I want to make sure that we mention is that we want to make sure that kids who are growing up here are, are given a reason to stay, right? Cause yeah. they're, a, they're a part of the culture and the fabric of our communities. And when we can make this a vibrant community and not say, Oh, well, you got to go somewhere else to really be fulfilled in your career. And that's what you guys are bringing to, to Bernie. And I think it's amazing. Well, and our hope is to bring it to the district, yep. to the region, yep. because I'm example of that. I'm boomerang talent. I graduated Bernie High School, left, built my career, and was fortunate enough to choose to come back here. How do I say that for everybody? Mm-hmm. How do I say for kids in Comfort ISD that, yes, you're going to be able to afford a house. You're going to have a great yep. job. And, and for some, that's a hard reality to look around and see. 
For others, they see the tools or they have family resources. We need to make it accessible for everybody. Mm-hmm. We're teaching kids in high school to be entrepreneurial now. We're teaching them all the way into elementary school. They can do that here, but they need to see there's a community of support mm-hmm. where they can find the resources and the planning and the care to really launch a business. Yep. And across your district, you have some really talented people. Capital Factory, Luis Martinez was on the show last week. Oh, great. He's going statewide having the same conversation. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, there's definitely a need. And I think when people think about economic development, first of all, it can be scary because you don't really understand, you know, does it mean that you're being put into one category or another? And of course, we're grateful. You have an extremely strong chamber here in Bernie, and there are others across the Hill Country, but that's not the right fit for a newly established or someone who's re, who really doesn't quite have the tools and resources to get off the ground. Yeah. And, and so that's an important gap that you guys are filling kind of, but between the aspirational student or resident to get to be at that level. And so I, it seems so far so good. And I, I, I'm excited to hear that you're expanding into other areas of the district. And really, that's demand driven. I think people are finding new ways to work and they're saying, how do I live and work in Mm -hmm. Fredericksburg, Mm -hmm. in Kerrville, in Mm -hmm. Mason? Yep. So uh, let's shift gears a little bit and go back to where do you find your optimism? What do you see in the next session, the next cycle? Where, Where is that optimism coming from? Well, I'm just not ready to give up on America. And I think it's hard when you look at the news and you see... What is going on at the national level? You see what's going on in in the worldwide level. There's there's such divisiveness. There's a lot of reasons to be negative and depressed. But you know the light is always going to outshine the darkness, right? So we just have to be the happy warriors that uh, President Reagan talked about. The the people who are saying, "I'm not just going to complain about everything." We we, we don't. I don't want a culture of people who are just complaining and not willing to find solutions and to make a difference. We need to be a part of the people who are stepping up and saying, we we can solve this. Yeah, this is a problem. Yeah, we're not happy about this. Here's how we're going to address it. And, you know, I looking back at this last legislative session and my campaign before that, I followed through on every single one of my campaign promises. And that is what I think people have gotten just turned off by the political process. They're tired of hearing the same talking points all over and again, over again. They're tired of kind of, it feels sometimes like we're just rearranging chairs on the Titanic, you know, fighting out between the parties and all this and all that. People are tired of it. They're tired of the infighting. They just want people who are going to step up, do the, put in the hard work, come up with solutions and be honest and transparent about it and follow through. And so that is my, you know, my number one goal is that at the end of the day, I turn back to my constituents and I say, did I make you proud? Am I doing what I said I was going to do? Am I, am I following through on everything that we talked about? And so far, so good. We're coming up on one year uh, of being in office and so far. And, and I want to be able to look my kids in the, in the eye, you know, and have them be proud of me too. And so I'm going to, I'm, I'll be here as long as I'm, as, as long as I'm called and as long as I'm blessed to be. Um, and then I will be so happy to go back to my family and my business. You know, I have no interest in doing this forever. Sometimes you look at the people who have been in politics for so long, you know, 40, 50 years, like that just blows my mind. I, I want to give what I have to give. And then I want to, I want to be a part of supporting the next, bringing up the, the next generation that I hope my kids and people's kids who are listening are going to be a part of. And that, and that means we need great education. It means that we need that sustainable development. It means that we need to be planning for the future because it's not just about us, right? It's about them. 
Yeah, and it's parents taking their kids to the city council meeting. As as boring as that sounds, there's a lot that happens in that meeting that they'll ask about. And if you can't answer the question, let's find somebody that can and continue to get people involved. Because I'll just say in Bernie, we had 9% voter turnout for a mayoral election. Oh, my goodness. And and that's shameful. If you're listening and you vote, please vote. Because it is turnout that drives the number. It's not who you're voting for. It's that everybody's out there voting and having their voices heard in that way. And I bet there's a lot more than 9% of people who are very, uh, who are willing to have an opinion about what's going on in the city, right? So Especially like, on Facebook well, and yeah, other places. You know, we're, this is, I'm, I'm tired of the victim mentality. Like, we're, it, it's up to us to, to change it around. So if there's something going on that you're not happy about, let's figure out a way to fix it. And I'll lock arms with you and march to whatever solution we need to. Well, I appreciate that in your one year, you've been very visible in our community coming in uh-huh. and being at events, getting to know us, and and spending time at Das Greenhouse today. Absolutely. And understanding the work that we are doing in the district and ways that we can support each other as we continue to look for a bright future in Texas. Yes. Well, I look forward to continuing to work together. Thank you for all that you do for this community and beyond. And it was such a pleasure talking with you today. Well, Representative Ellen Troxclair, thank you for the way you're building Texas, and thank you for spending time with us today. Absolutely. Thank you. This is Justin McKenzie from Building Texas. Today's segment is brought to you by Das Greenhouse. Das Greenhouse is a business incubator launched here in Bernie to serve our local community. Das Greenhouse is a place where you can come to grow your idea. Our goal is to make Bernie accessible to people who are looking to grow a business, expand a business, or learn more about what's out there in their community and get involved. Visit us at dasgreenhouse.org or come visit us at 7 Upper Balconies Road, Bernie, Texas. Das Greenhouse. Bernie Radio 103.9 FM. Now let's head over to the Patrick Heath Public Library with Miss Constance for Children's Story Time. As the Patrick Heath Library is open today from 10 to 4, this is Bernie Radio.